Hey everyone, it's Chris from the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. Just wanted to come at you while we're on our break. We're going to be hosting some episodes from other podcasts that we've been involved with. Um, you just want to go ahead and just give you the chance to listen to those episodes if you already missed them. This one is going to be from the Blokebusters podcast with Paul. We watched the Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett joint Good Omens on Amazon Prime. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Police car! Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 135 of the Blokebusters podcast. I'm Paul, and today I am joined by two random people who I just decided to have on because, well, they had nothing else to do, and uh, I felt sorry for them, to be honest. Uh, they are Anthony and Chris from the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. How are you doing? Doing well. <laughs> I'm also doing well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good, good, good. Glad to hear you're not, uh, you know, at the end of your rope, because uh, that would make uh, a very depressing episode, I think. So, uh, especially given the subject matter, actually. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yes, uh, well, today we're here to talk about Good Omens, uh, in case you aren't looking at the episode title. Um, and, uh, and yes, so... Uh, written by Neil Gaiman, um, the TV series, anyway. Uh, the book was written by both Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Terry Pratchett, very sadly, uh, passing away from early onset Alzheimer's before uh, the TV show got made. Um, and every episode directed by Douglas McKinnon. And uh, we'll get into that in just a little bit. But first, I wanted to ask you guys, what was your experience with Good Omens? before we decided to do an episode on it. Anthony, Chris, I'll let you. Oh, okay. Uh, uh-oh. We're, <laughs> we're arguing I'll, over who gets to go first. I'll go rock, ahead, paper, scissors uh, for you. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I think I I was very interested in it um, the, the very first time I had heard of it, and um, I like the actors in it. Uh, we can, you know, just go ahead and talk about, you know, Michael Sheen, David Tennant. You know, we'll get into them, but... Um, no, I was very interested. I just didn't get around to watching it until you suggested it. So, oh. okay. uh, very much the opposite. Um, <laughs> I logged in. We so for our podcast, we watch a lot of things on Amazon Prime uh, Video, which is of course where Good Omens is, is uh, hosted as an Amazon Prime original or Prime mm-hmm. Video original. Uh, so I was I was in there all the time. Saw the banner. Saw. <laughs> So Michael Sheen and David Tennant and said, oh, that sounds interesting, and clicked it. Uh, watched the first episode, uh, decided not to watch the second episode until my uh, my girlfriend got home and then said, hey, you have to watch this with me. And then we watched all six episodes uh, in, a, in a day, in an evening, really. Um, so <laughs> that would have been, I think it was very shortly after it aired. Um, I believe it aired first, yeah, 2019. So um, yeah, right away, loved it. I uh, had no idea the book existed uh, going oh. into it. Uh, of course, found out about that afterwards, like reading about it. 
Um, I do have the book. I also <laughs> own a copy of the audiobook. I have read exactly zero lines from it. Uh, I had intended when we, <laughs> I went actually and, and bought the book when the topic of this podcast first came up. So it's, we've been, this has kind of been sitting on the, on the burner for a couple of months, I feel. So yeah. um, I kept putting it off and putting it off. And uh, even yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to do that thing tomorrow. Maybe I'll read some of the book. And it didn't happen. So uh, <laughs> it still will happen eventually. It just hasn't yet. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I will tell you uh, that there are some differences between the TV show and the book. They definitely made a few changes here and there. Um, I will say without giving anything away, most of the changes are from the latter half. So, um, so I think that when you read it, you'll mm. definitely get several uh, bits from it that are very familiar and uh, sure. something to even pretty much uh, beat for beat the same. But um, I, I think you'll enjoy it because it's definitely a different version of the same story. Um, and yeah, this is, I think this was the only collaboration between... Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman and frustratingly they had sketched out an idea for a second book and they had ideas for that uh, obviously did not come to fruition at all before Terry Pratchett's death but they are making a second series so uh, I say they are making I believe they've already filmed it so well, that's supposed to come out this year at some point I yeah believe. Yeah, yeah I, I think it is. Uh, I think it's either due to come out towards the end of this year or the very beginning of next year. So, I believe they have already wrapped uh, principal photography on that. So, nice. very interesting. But yeah, um, and it, as you mentioned, yep, yeah, uh, definitely Michael Sheen, David Tennant, um, fantastic yeah. in it. And uh, um, uh, my, I would say my overall experience with this was I had read the book. Um, probably about 15 years before uh, the show came out because uh, that was uh, way back when I was reading pretty much everything that Terry Pratchett was putting out. Um, th there were definitely a few of the, the younger books that I have not touched on, but the entire Discworld canon, with the exception of a few of the Tiffany Aiken books um, I've read and uh, and then I read Good Omens. Um, I've also read the entire Long Earth series, um, and uh, yeah, no, it, uh, I, I, it would be it would probably be right to say that Tay Pratchett is my uh, my favorite author. Um, there's definitely a few other people that are up there, uh, but uh, yeah, Tay Pratchett. I don't think anyone can hold a candle to the, to that guy's writing. Um, so yes, I hardly recommend you read that book. <laughs> um, Noted, and then yeah, for sure. And then when they announced that the series was coming out, I was like, okay. I mean, Neil Gaiman's attached. Um, he was heavily involved. He even wrote the uh, the screenplay for it. So I was like, okay, he like if one of the authors of the book is the screenwriter, and that like, he'd been on record many, many, many times about how he wanted to bring what Terry Pratchett had told him he wanted. Um, to the screen, then um, I had no, I had no real concerns about it. And then, you know, they mentioned who was in it, and I was like, 
I'm definitely on board because uh, David Tennant is my doctor, um, for anyone who is a Doctor Who fan. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, all of the other people that are in it, I was like, they've got some serious names in this thing, um, including some that you don't even really know are in it unless you actually go and look at the cast list. Because, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, like, you've got, uh, you've got like, John Hamm is in it, who obviously is huge um, in America and uh, and was uh, probably a really great get for them. Um, you got uh, Francis McDormand as the voice of God, who's the narrator for the series. A couple of English people. Uh, Jack Whitehall was a real surprise to me, and we'll get into that um, in a little bit. Um, a couple of English people. I like how you skim by <laughs> half the cast list. There. Can, I, can I give a special shout out, if I may? Sure. Uh, uh, Famine, played by one uh, Yusuf Gatewood, uh, did some work on the originals, which is a show that I have uh, seen every episode of with my uh, my wife. It's it's her sci-fi, and okay. uh, and uh, he he's in a bunch of those episodes. He's great. So. Uh, the 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 one that I actually did not know until today uh, is that Benedict Cumberbatch is in this. Yeah, he plays the uh, the voice of uh, Lucifer. He is. Satan, yes, yeah. the, vo- the voice of Satan himself. Yeah, yeah. I did not realize that when I was watching the show. Um, <laughs> I actually think I paused it when he started talking. And uh, Prime Video does Everybody that whole like, up. thing. Yeah. It pops up and tells you on the screen. He's like, yep, there it is. Benedict Cumberbatch. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just... Uh, so he's been uh, Smaug? Sherlock. Yeah. Yes. Satan. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that might have been the first time I've correctly pronounced his name on a recording. So this <laughs> yeah. is a special occasion. Yes, as opposed to butternut crinkle fries or uh, as all, all of yes. the other meme ways of doing it. Yes. <laughs> I would say that that was a very PG way of saying his name, yes. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, there is. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, so speaking of the, the cast list, um, I think John Hamm is the one who I think probably surprised everyone by showing up on screen just because of who he is. Uh, and he's kind of... Even if you don't know who he is, he's kind of a that guy. Like, oh, that guy. Like, I, I know yeah. him. He's in the other fourteen things I've seen in the last few years. Um, but the the one cast or the one actor that stood out to me and made me kind of point at the screen uh, was Muriel Enos as War. Um, she had previously okay. played uh, the lead role in The Killing, uh, which was a crime drama series where they it's they're investigating one. She's a detective investigating a, a murder over the course of three or four seasons of television. Um, so I, I loved her in that. I've seen her in a few other things, but she popped up on screen. I was, I was very happy to see her still working and doing other things. So, and I thought she did a great job of it. All of the horsemen really just kind of creepy and there. Oh yeah. You didn't and, know what uh, was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was curious what they were going to do with death. Um, mm. And, uh, and, We'll actually get into a little bit of the the, the real uh, meat of the show, but uh, this one um, I wanted to bring up because for people who do not know the Terry Pratchett uh, books, Death is a character in the Discworld series uh, because many sort of belief systems exist on the disc and Death is an anthropomorphic personification of Death. So he is a literal skeleton who wears a robe, carries a scythe, and rides a white horse called Binky. And he goes and he will uh, he will take your life at the end of your life. He doesn't kill you. He's just there to take you. 
<laughs> um, and uh, wow. when when I realized that death was going to be in this series, I was wondering because the death in the Good Omen book speaks in exactly the same format as he does in the Terry Pratchett books, which is all capitals. So I wasn't sure if they were going to go the same with it. And there are some Discworld adaptations that exist out there, uh, going postal, Hogfather, um, and uh, uh, Color of Magic. Um, There might be one more, but I'm blanking right now. Uh, And they all have death, and he is a skeleton in a robe (laughs) with a side who has a horse called Binky. So it's like, okay... The only difference in this is he rides a motorbike. Uh, but uh, I was he's trying just, to be like, are they going to go for it? Are they not? And obviously they didn't. Um, and uh, I was so, I, like, I had that twinge of sadness that it wasn't that death. Yeah. Uh, but I fully understood why they didn't do it. Because it it's different enough that it, it would have kind of taken a lot of people out of it if they didn't know the origin of that. So... Yeah, so I appreciate sense. it. Uh, do you think that? Do you think that death being portrayed the same way in Good Omens is is hinting at it kind of sharing a universe with Discworld, or do you think that it's just an homage um, to to Discworld? Yeah, and I, I'm yeah, I'm not sure because um, well, cause he's definitely he, he's definitely different. That obviously the death in this, the only thing that you really see of him is that he basically is a skeleton head. Um, you sure. know that for sure, but you don't know anything else. Like so, the rest of him could be could more be. human. Uh, whereas the the death in the Discworld is he is a skeleton. That is pretty much his defining feature. He is all skeleton. I mean, um, I mean, in, in I mean, I'll just go ahead and just chop it up to the because in Discworld, I mean, you know, they're just on the back of a turtle. So who's to say that <laughs> sure. Earth isn't out there in the cosmos? So well, I mean. And there, there actually is, uh, for for reasons only known to Terry Pratchett, he did four books where the Wizards at Unseen University are observing a kind of a, what they call a, a it's either a pocket universe or a mirror dimension or something along those lines. I can't remember the exact framing of it, but it's our universe. It's our Earth. Mm. So they're actually witnessing our technology and trying to figure out what the hell's going on <laughs> like how we're getting these things to work and right. like the the idea behind it was it's kind of a um a way for him to discuss different technology that existed at the time and kind of like how those things work and and delving into that a little bit but through the framing structure of the wizards are trying to figure out like we've made this experiment and now this world exists let's see what's going on um, so, yeah, it was. I think it was called the Science of Discworld. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it again. Um, the Pratchett books are just phenomenal, and so it was. I was very pleased when I heard this was coming out, and that uh, it was going to be fairly, um, you know, fairly loyal to the books. Uh, yeah, I should be. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, so I guess I should ask then. Um, obviously, uh, you you mentioned that you watched one episode and you were like, "I'm going to pause. We're going. I'm going to get my wife to watch it." Um, 
What? Oh, girlfriend. Oh, do you think girlfriend. It... Oh, oh girlfriend. Don't do that to me. Girlfriend. What are you doing, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, okay. Significant other. There you go. Thank How you. Thank you. Partner. Uh, partner. I, yes. Okay. I, I'll just say it like three different ways. I'll go back. There you and go. I'll just confuse <laughs> everything. Just confuse everything. <laughs> In fact, I'll just, I'll, I'll change gender. I'll just, so your yeah. boyfriend at the time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, so, so your significant other, um, you felt that they had to watch it with you. Um, what was it about the first episode that when oh, you man. were just like, you know what? Yeah, we got to sit down and watch this. It's, it is so incredibly clever. It is, it's so it, there, there's a lot of media, there's a lot of, whether it's other sci-fi or fantasy or just anything that, uh, any sort of drama or serialized television that kind of it holds the audience's hand a little too tightly, right? It kind of almost no. uh, talks down to them. And I feel like this show doesn't do that. It, no. it assumes a certain level of intelligence in the audience. It doesn't insult that intelligence. And it's just, it's just very, very clever. I mean, I was hooked from the, the joke about the, 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 uh, the start time of the universe. Like when did God create the universe? It was exactly like 9, 14 AM on whatever day it was. I don't recall, but like as yeah. soon as they said that joke, I was like, Oh, this is going to be fun. You know, like it, this is, this is great. This is like I said, just so, so clever. So fun. It's dealing with incredibly heavy subject matter. I mean, it's the end of the universe. It's good versus evil. Yeah. It's the concepts thereof. What is humanity? What is good? What is evil? But it's so lighthearted. Um, the, just the overall, I just guess the way it's packaged um, with the narration, uh, the way the people talk and interact with one another. It's, I mean, it's very, it's very Neil Gaiman, but it's, it's very, very good. Uh, and I think that's what initially um, made me think, oh, this is something that I have to share because I'm going to want to watch it again or I'm going to want to talk about it with somebody. Um, so they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to watch it with me. And she, she loved it as well, which is good. Um, I'm all like, besides that, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of anything that any sort of like modern retelling or reimagining of any sort of, Oh, religious subject matter. Uh, okay. whether or not it's something like this, uh, that is kind of re reimagining Judeo Christian, uh, beliefs, angels and demons and what have you in a, in a very kind of Hollywood way. Um, or uh, what is it, like the Percy Jackson books um, where it's just okay. a, a modern retelling of, of Greek mythology. Uh, just anything that takes kind of those, those types of ideas and stories and, and spins them in a new way. I, I find very, very attractive. Uh, so this, the show is very much made for me. Um, I felt, and David Tennant was my doctor for a long okay. time he's not my doctor anymore unfortunately i have to like i have to i have to say i have a new favorite but um for a very long time of you you didn't have to twist my arm he was my doctor i loved him uh in in doctor who i loved him in uh jessica jones uh later on and, playing oh, a very yeah, I mean, different character and yeah <laughs> so just seeing him and just do his thing i i, I was in like e even if the rest of it wasn't there i was like yeah i'll watch this for david Tennant. we'll, we'll, we'll do this yeah i mean dick David Tennant, he really runs the gamut. Him as Kilgrave and Jessica Jones, I mean, they, oh, yeah. I don't think there's been a better villain in a Marvel property. I uh, like, I didn't even know it was him 
until <laughs> like and they have shots of him in the shadows and you hear his mm-hmm. voice but it's so creepy and different i didn't realize it was david Tennant until he's standing there yelling jessica's name like three or four episodes in completely caught me off guard loved it spoiler uh, and that's a rabbit hole for that's a whole other <laughs> property and <laughs> tv show oh very much so yeah um yeah i do, I do um yeah i I've said this many times before. I'll mention it again here. So I, I myself am an atheist, and um, I know Terry Pratchett also is an atheist. I'm moderately confident Neil Gaiman, if he's not an atheist, he is at the very least along the cynical of organized religion, uh, like route. Um, and I, I find it very interesting that um, that this book and this series was able to point out the sort of ridiculousness of a lot of what's in there mm. but at the same time is is not disrespectful of the subject matter or anything like that it's kind of actually along the same lines as um um i mean it <laughs> i say along the same line the same kind of thing could be said of uh the book of mormon uh mm. you know with the um uh, uh trey parker and matt stone like they very clearly are being like, look at how silly this all is. But at the same time, they're genuinely not like talking, like, you know, putting them down or anything like that. It's yeah, just like, I, there's ridiculous I, stuff here, but, you know. I think, yeah. it, I think there's a lot to be said where you can, um, when you put things like into context or you take them, you know, literally like, oh, yeah, no, this is totally how it happened, guys. Like, <laughs> and, you know, like, there just so happens to be some dancing, you know, and singing. But, <laughs> um, but same thing with this show, like where they go through, you know, the Book of Revelations, right, um, leading all up into the, uh, you know, Armageddon, um, and we're laughing the whole time, like serious, serious. Um, uh, Anthony, uh, ha- oh, never mind, oh, never mind. I'll just, I'll just <laughs> say it. Uh, I'm also uh, fairly well along the uh, atheist line there, so I. Okay. I really enjoy anything that lampoons anything, not just uh, organized <laughs> religion. It's just such an easy target. But, oh, um, yeah. but yeah. So. yeah. I mean, I, I will say, um, uh, jumping really quickly back to, um, to the joke you said that kind of uh, made it for you, the whole thing about uh, like, uh, this one person said that the universe began at, you know, 10 you know 10 a.m on this date and he said he was he was of course wrong by 15 minutes <laughs> like <laughs> that to me felt actually almost douglas adams-esque very. kind of humor like it, it's a very uh, like i would say that's a very english joke <laughs> um, like it, it something yeah. it's just that that dry delivery of that line <laughs> like it's it it feels very english writing and humor to me um and uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I say, I'm glad that you liked it. <laughs> but uh, uh, there has actually been one person who, so far, has been relatively quiet about whether or not you enjoyed the first episode. <laughs> so, oh me? Um, <laughs> oh no, I like. Uh, I liked all of it. I really did. I mean, okay. I just I said that whole thing about it. Uh, no, it, I mean, when I what I meant by like, hey. Let's watch this show. It, it wasn't like, oh, this guy's forcing me. He's twisting my arm. It was just like, nah. <laughs> hey, this is a show that I'd heard about. I've heard a lot of good things. Um, Anthony, I like Anthony and I like to present the facts. Uh, so, Good Omens on IMDb. 
Um, we're sitting at 8.0 out of 10 based on 74,000 ratings. Um, Interesting. I, I, I'd say that's probably a little low for me. I'd say this is, yeah. I, for me, this show's like a nine and a half. Um, <laughs> it's the right amount of episodes. I think they're all the perfect length. I, n- I never felt like I was being dragged through this. Um, right. uh, it moved you along really well. Like even when it's jumping through the different um, uh, timelines yeah. um, and when they're going over, it's, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I binged it all in, like in the morning, one, like one Saturday or something. I was mm. like, I watched the first episode and then I was like, yeah. And then that Saturday I watched all of them. And I was like, okay, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It does It does not overstay its welcome. No. At all. It, it feels very deliberately crafted. Well, I called it clever a moment ago. It's, it's, everything about it is clever. It's, it's almost more impressive that something like this got greenlit and, and made without a lot of, or what seems to be not a lot of studio or production house interference. Um, than yeah. you know than everything than anything else yeah it it's it's kind of it was kind of interesting to me like when this got made i was i genuinely was worried that there would be a certain amount of the studio had some notes that tend to happen with these sort of thing yeah. um and I, I was a little worried that there might be um like too much meddling yeah like there might ha- the, yeah maybe there were some uh, compromises made here and there that might have just changed some things, but uh, no, I, I very much enjoyed um, oh, yeah. where they went with it and these things. Um, and there's there's so many little nods to to things in this. Um, uh, I mean, one one thing that um, uh, I clocked, but it didn't necessarily register with me until I was looking up stuff about this. Uh, there is someone in this who is impersonating the voice of Terry Pratchett. Um, and he's like a spokesman for the an electricity board. Uh, I can't remember which episode it is, but, uh, um, like that voice is pretty much dead on, uh, Terry Pratchett. So oh, is, it when, is it when he like breaks all the computers at that job? I think so. So it's, um, yeah, I can't, I'd, I'd had, I'd had to go back and watch it, which um, uh, absolutely not a chore. Um, <laughs> I'll happily go back and rewatch this. Um, um, I, I'm almost finished uh, watching uh, the third series of The Boys, so once I'm done with that, I might just go back oh. and rewatch this, just cause. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there, there, there's a great number of things. That, that, um, also, um, for anyone that knows Terry Pratchett at all, anyone that's seen a picture of him in like his last 20 years of life, he always had um, a wide brimmed black hat and a scarf. And both of them are in Azurafail's bookshop. Um, And there's even a shot where it's kind of panning over stuff and it pauses for just a second. Like that's his hat. Um, Mm. Because Neil Gaiman got his hat and scarf from Terry Pratchett's daughter so that he could put it into the shot um, for that scene. Oh, nice. yeah, they uh, they they really they really wanted to um, you know treat it with the uh, with the care that it deserved. Uh, so, well, I'm I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that it is different than the book 
and I'm glad also that you still liked the show. I think that, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's two ways you can go, right? You change too much and then it might as well not be based off of the source material. You don't change enough. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, yeah, I, I read this. I don't didn't necessarily need to watch it. Um, <laughs> and then it, it sounds like it's kind of hit that sweet spot for you, which is kind of that Lord of the Rings sweet spot. Um, yeah, <laughs> where it's adapted enough to where it's entertaining, but it didn't, you know, it didn't change too much, and it, it we didn't spend fourteen pages walking out of the Shire, but you know, yeah. Is that is that the Peter Jackson line? It's the like, I, uh, yes, it now is called the Peter just, Jackson line. We yeah, just invented we just that. a bit. Yes, we just commissioned a bit. You're, you, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, um, I mean, yeah, like seriously though, yeah, I, I think. Like, can you name a single like? adaptation that hit that so perfectly before lord of the rings i mean there was the animated lord of the rings so <laughs> there was uh, <laughs> it, which which i believe had had a wonderful song by leonard nimoy yes it did um, <laughs> yes it did uh no i mean not 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 really to my knowledge but i also can't think of any large or big adaptations. I mean, it, I mean even it's, not not even thinking something that large, like genuinely, like anything that I'm I'm trying to think of anything else that I know has been adapted. Well, and it's like, and it's everyone's actually happy with it. You know, uh, I mean, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news for a lot of people, uh-oh. but I think Lord of the Rings probably started, um, like I wouldn't say started. I think Lord of the Rings, like. Uh, really jump-started that whole adaptation frenzy. Like, oh, sure. yeah, there have been some Marvel movies, and there's Superman, whatever. But, like, not not only was Lord of the Rings, like, the first one to be really successful, um, but it's also the one that everything is judged afterwards. So I, uh, <laughs> it's you really mean... hard. Like, there isn't anything before that. Um, Are you trying to say that if it say... wasn't for Lord of the Rings, I... I wouldn't have had to seen those Narnia movies. Is yes. that what you, so? You're trying to tell me there was a negative thing that happened from Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. Got it. Got I it. mean, I absolutely uh, refuse to believe that Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings has any bearing whatsoever on the Avatar: The Last Airbender adaptation because, uh, <laughs> well, just no, <laughs> no, no. But what I'm saying is like. They clearly didn't meet the Peter Jackson line. No, they did not. They failed. <laughs> they in they every floundered. Way. No, they I, floundered well, so well. And um, this, the, I mean, to to kind of switch mediums a little bit. You know, th- did you know that there was a Minority Report television show? Uh, uh, no. Yeah, in 2015, no tell me about it. Yeah, in 2015, they made a sequel. It was a, like a pseudo sequel to the 2002 Tom Cruise Minority Report, in which they turned it into a serialized crime detective drama. Like every other show, like huh. that is that like like I, I felt like there was a long time in the mid 2010s where everything was a crime detective drama. NCIS, wait, 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 CSI, wait. CSI Miami, well, CSI New not York, even just those, but like Bones, which your arc, then uh, Castle. It's a, the main character is an author. It's still a serialized crime drama. Yeah, yeah but. Hang on, you said it was a sequel or like a pseudo sequel? Yes, one of the main characters. But but, but how? What? I mean, but spoilers <laughs> for Minority Report. So okay, spoilers for Minority the, Report. Uh, at the end of Minority Report, there's no such thing as the precox division anymore. How the hell so did they turn it into a procedural? One of the kids that was the precogs, he's now an adult. And he yeah. still sees the future, and he teams up with some detective, uh, and they, you know, 
They fight crime together. <laughs> so, that's, I, it, look, it only got ten episodes. I didn't think I didn't say it was good. I just said it existed, and that's what they did to it. So when you when you see that they're going to be adapting Good Omens and not into the the silver screen, not in the you know a, an actual movie, but into television, you're. I'm just saying like they could have done anything with it. Um, I think I think Neil Gaiman being involved probably kept kept it on the straight and narrow, and he has the juice. You know if. If they tell him no, and he says no, that's what I. This is what we need, and he goes public, or he just says, "Oh well, this was the you know." If it goes badly, he can blame somebody else, the studio, whomever, and uh, I would believe him. Everyone would believe him. You know, he has that kind of um, credibility. Yeah, and and I don't know, I don't know how much you know about the Terry Pratchett estate. Um, so his estate is now being run by his. Uh, assistant of I think it was I think he had the same assistant for like 20 something years mm. um, and so like that guy now runs the estate with uh, Terry Pratchett's daughter so that they're the ones that get to sign off on any um, any rights and, and stuff like that um, the only thing that they they didn't necessarily sign off on it um, because it it was not a direct adaptation in any way. Um, the Watch TV series, um, which was inspired by The Watch. And uh, I will say, I watched it all. I didn't hate it, but it took me two episodes to break myself of that. This is a terrible adaptation of the book because it's not an adaptation of the books. They basically mm. took character names and general ideas and then changed it into whatever this world that they're doing is. Um, and it, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like a gritty cyberpunk um, uh, kind of version of it. But instead of being cyberpunk, it's sort of slightly high fantasy um, oh. setting. <laughs> like, so it's... Uh, <laughs> I looked it up. I just looked it up on. I didn't. I had not watched this. I didn't know anything about it. Um, just looked it up at the first line on Wikipedia. The Watch is a fantasy police procedural television program. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Everything can become yeah. a police procedural. Anything and well, everything. Now I, um, I will say, um, uh, it had to be a police procedural, oh, okay. as it were, okay. because the Watch books are about. The city watch, which is the city police force. So, wow. so they get a pass, is what you're saying on this one. <laughs> I, I'll say that one. Like, yeah, it, it's as, it's a police procedural, because it's about the police. That's I mean, the part like, that they it just, based it, it on. Yeah, specifically. Like, yeah. <laughs> then, if it wasn't we'll a police slide. procedural, they would have missed the marks so much. So, <laughs> they were like, "We need a new police procedural." Oh, I've, I got something for you. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, no, I mean, it, if if you are able to completely shut off the part of yourself that's like, I love the books and this is absolutely not the books, you, you can somewhat enjoy it. Um, but a lot of people that really love Terry Pratchett can't do that. So, uh, I, but no, I, I, yeah, I'd say again, yeah, bring it back to, to this series. Like they, um, Neil Gaiman did a fantastic job of adapting their book and the general feel of the book to the series um like it's it, it it's such a it's such a i mean i i can't say enough good things about it to be perfectly frank um 
Um, now, I guess I should ask, aside from um, Aziraphale and Crowley, who is your favorite character in the show? Ooh. Besides the two best characters in the show. Yes, oh. besides the two that anyone will pick. Um, who's your favorite character? No, no, no. Uh, I, I, they're not the best character in this show. Oh. Um, where is he? Michael McKean. Shadwell. Uh, okay. <laughs> that dude chewed up every single scene that he was in. Like, I mean, just every every time, like his interactions with Jeze- the Jezebel... Um, like when he points his finger at, um, uh, Michael Sheen and he just like, he backs into that little thing. It disappears. And he's like, I've got a weapon of mass destruction for the rest of the show. Uh, no, he killed it. Like, and his, like, as it, like, I just want to say personally, the Pulsifer, um, little timeline, like that little side story, I think is probably one of my favorite side stories. I think in television, like, that I've seen in the past, like five or six years, like the whole thing. Like <laughs> I went deep on Pulsifer. Did you know that Beaumont, Texas was started by three people, Henry Millard, Thomas Byers, Hooling, and Joseph Pulsifer. That's how far I went. Cause I wanted <laughs> oh, wow. to know everything I, I could about this name. Uh, but no, uh, I think that whole thing was great, but Michael McKean definitely like, he's just, he steals every scene that he's in. Um, he, he's doing a great job. And like the fact that he might be crazy. <laughs> like when he's when he's reading off the names of the, the, the members so he can charge Crowley more and he's like Sergeant Washing Machine. Like, <laughs> like am I, am I yeah. the only one? Am I the only one that wasn't like hold on a second? Uh, oh yeah. No, no it's great. Oh man. Yeah. That that absolutely is part of the, the joke is that like yeah. As Arafel and Crowley, like they couldn't really care. Like <laughs> they they don't care enough to actually look at the names. Um, they they just want this thing to be working, and of course, like they're so focused on other things that they they don't actually look into it. And of course, if they do, in any way, shape, or form, they would realize that something's off. Which, if you think about it, is exactly the same thing that they're doing to <laughs> their higher ups. Yep. Because yeah, uh, yeah, they said they're just kind of signing off, saying they've done things, and then uh, yeah, no one ever bothers to check. <laughs> so, like it's, it's, incompetence uh, all the way up. Yeah. I think the moral of the story is that like middle management just isn't needed, right? <laughs> like that's. Am I the only? <laughs> I'm just uh, saying, like, hey, uh, as, no, a, the, as a proud former member of middle management, <laughs> you're you're probably right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought I I thought their story was great. Yeah. yeah. So I was yeah. I was going to uh oh man, I kinda wanna change my answer to be Michael McKean. I was gonna say Miranda <laughs> Richardson as Madame Tracy. Uh for all yeah. of the same reasons. She's like I it's for a character I mean there's only what there's only six episodes of this. So it's less than six hours long because each episode comes out at fifty some odd minutes. And then there's credits, yeah. right? There's a uh, theme title and then credits. So we're there's not a lot of screen time, uh, even for our main cast. I wanted to know more about her. Out of all of the other characters, I was like, yeah, I could use more Madam Tracy. Get, like her interaction. Like, how did she meet Michael McKean's character? How did you like? How did you? How did he? It's Shadwell, and I, I wanted to know, like, how did she become the person she is? Because she's fantastic. Like, she just kind of takes his 
verbal abuse and is like, oh, I'll put some tea on, right? Do you want lunch or whatever it is? I, I really, uh, and then the fake out, I think it's, sorry, we're getting deep into spoilers here. Uh, for anyone who, ha- for whatever reason, is listening to this and hasn't watched the show yet, you should stop and just go go watch it. This yeah, yeah, sure. your your podcatcher will actually pause right here, and you can come right back. No big deal. Uh, when he's like, "Well, I guess I should uh, ask you the question, huh?" And it's like, "Oh, he's going to ask her to marry him." That's he's like, I, I, I can't say it, but yes, like it was it was fantastic. Their interactions are amazing. Um, I think between the two of them, uh, the excellent uh excellent uh, side story or b story there yeah no absolutely and uh a- another another example of just like great casting in mm-hmm. this um and yeah miranda richardson um for american people who may be less familiar with miranda richardson um probably most recognized by younger people i would say as Rita Skeeter in the Harry Potter films. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Probably most well-known by a lot of English people as Queenie in Blackadder. Um, And to to see her doing a role like this, which is definitely more subtle than those. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, anyone that's seen the second series of Blackadder will know that Queenie is just, I mean, batshit insane. She just is. Um, so, like to to have her playing a much more sort of subdued role and doing it so well, and then again uh, dipping into spoilers as well. Um, you know, being able to play a Zero fail at yes. the same time, <laughs> like just yes. yeah, it's uh, fantastically done. I, I'm this comes up quite a bit uh, when I'm discussing movies, whether it's for a podcaster or not. But when an actor has to play a different character or an actor has to play a different actor playing a different character it it can go really poorly very quickly (laughs) like when you when you kind of do the freaky friday thing it can very very quickly end up with just breaking all immersion it's like that's not that person this is just a this is a joke this is uh, a poor imitation Um, but no it does not go that way at all Uh, she is fan she's a fantastic michael sheen who knew? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it It's one of the things where it's like, um, uh, I'd say one of the best examples of what you just described um, uh, that I've, I've seen before is actually again in Harry Potter. Um, and it's, uh, uh, and I, I had to look this up because I, um, they, uh, a little while ago I was, I was trying to think about it and I looked it up. So the scene where, um, spoilers for Harry Potter. Um, Hermione is uh, using the Apologies potion to pretend to be Bellatrix Lestrange, and for that scene, Emma Watson watched um, uh, Helena Bonham Carter go through the scene as Bellatrix Lestrange. She then did the scene as Hermione pretending to be Bellatrix Lestrange, and so then Helena Bonham Carter went and did the scene again. So it's Helena Bonham Carter imitating Emma Watson as Hermione, imitating Helena Bonham Carter as Melanie uh, wow. Strange uh, in the in that scene. And she does that fantastically. And um, it was the same in this. Like it was, uh, it was such so good to see Miranda Richardson really going for it. And uh, um, I, I, I re- yeah, I, I very much enjoyed um, 
some of the things that were in this that uh, um, actually this, this is um, uh, this will be interesting um, for me anyway. Uh, so when I read books, I do not get pictures in my head of what I'm reading. Um, you know, I uh, I cannot picture something in my head I have not seen before. So okay. so whenever someone, um, you know. You get those things where, like, there's a book, there's loads of descriptions about characters, and so people always have pictures in their heads of what the characters look like, and then whenever there's an adaptation, people go, well, that's not the person I would have had for my character, because it says this, this, and this. Like, you know, for me, I just don't... Your headcanon, yeah. Yeah, I I just don't have that. Um, You know, I, I can't... I can't picture the locations that these people go to, I yeah you know, anything like that. I just I'm just reading the story and enjoying the story. That's what happens. So, um, so when I saw this, like this for me is now going to be like what I see as I'm reading the book, <laughs> um, and uh, and I I very much enjoy that. But um, I I was going to ask, uh, yeah. Since um, uh, since one of you, uh, I apologize, I do not remember which one of you it was, has the book now. Um, yes. Do you, do you think you're going to have the same thing? Like you're going to read the book and you're going to see David Tennant and Michael Sheen as these oh. characters as the things going on? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> especially since I I've seen the show before the book. Uh, right. It doesn't really matter how they describe them. I'll like I'll think about it when that comes up. And then I immediately will replace it with David Tennant, Michael. There's no way. There's no way not to. They no. they are those characters to me. Um, you can't yeah. disassociate. No, I, I don't. No, come on. No. You you know I have no imagination. Uh, I can't disassociate that at all. Um, Paul, Paul, do you have an inner monologue? No. Oh, oh interesting. Okay. Yeah, I I have no inner monologue, and I. As in, like, yeah, I don't just have thoughts going in my head during the day, and I also don't hear myself when I'm thinking. So, yeah, no, I just, I just have That's, nothing. <laughs> I have the exact opposite of that, where I, I, I won't <laughs> shut up uh, in my own head. So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Very my wife has that, and she, she that, yeah, I, it's very interesting because you know the stereotype of if you ask a man what they're thinking and they just say nothing, like. For me, that's true. Like, I, I'm genuinely like, if I'm sitting watching TV, I'm just watching TV. Um, if I'm sitting like just kind of waiting for something to happen, I'm not thinking of anything. I'm just waiting for something to happen. Like it's just there's just nothing there. Um, and and then my wife has uh, many times. I, um, like she'll be clearly thinking something, so I'll ask her what she's thinking, and she'll rattle off like ten different things and say, "Oh, that sounds yep. busy." Yes. <laughs> yeah. I um. I definitely, I definitely have. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say there's on just nothing, nothing, and then uh, <laughs> at least a couple of um, friends or, or sitting with others in the past, like, no, what are, no, really, what are you thinking? And I was like, all right, well, you asked, like, here it is. And they're like, oh, and I said, next time I'm probably just gonna say nothing. And they're like, yeah, okay. I didn't need to know all of that. I'm like, I know, I know you didn't. I yeah. didn't either. That. That's why I said nothing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So who was, uh, you know, we mentioned a, a couple of characters we really, really enjoyed besides our, our, our two mains. Who did you enjoy the most? I, I've been, yeah, I've been trying to think about this and, um, uh, I was, I was definitely leaning towards, uh, Shadwell. I mean, um, yeah, such a 
such a fantastic character and as you mentioned the uh yeah, the scenery chewing is just moi uh with him um but uh uh one thing that i um uh one thing that i i actually really enjoyed um was and i'm trying to remember it's uh anathema i really enjoyed the person who played yeah. anathema i thought she did a fantastic job um and you can definitely tell based on the characterization and the way that she's kind of presenting herself um uh that again there's a character in um the Discworld series uh who is uh death's granddaughter um susan stowe and very similar like feels very similar um if you end up watching the um the the tv adaptations that were made um uh well over like 10 years ago now um yeah feels feels very very much the same like uh, they even look somewhat similar um and uh it's uh uh i just really enjoyed watching her character um and uh, just yeah someone who is absolutely certain of pretty much everything that's going to happen because they know pretty much everything that's going to happen. They just don't know exactly how it's going to happen. It's, uh, it's such an interesting character, especially you know, as someone myself who uh, I do not prescribe to any sort of uh, you know, des- idea of destiny or, or fate or things like that. Um, so like you know, to see a character who is literally defined by uh, their great 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 ancestors <laughs> prophecies um it's it's it was very interesting to see and uh actually um why i enjoyed the end which um i won't specifically mention the exact like the very end of the show even though we you know we've obviously touched on some spoilers but i i want to leave some things for, <laughs> for the audience uh, just in case they they haven't gone to watch it and then come back to this um but uh yeah i, I very much enjoyed um uh, her ending which i guess is no longer going to be her ending because um i think yeah. that most of the cast is back um for this so i'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because i was going to ask how in the world do you make a second season of the show <laughs> i i I, they, I don't feel like they ended in any sort of like typical tv show cliffhanger Little, like we're gonna dangle these little threads at the last minute, so you'll come back in a year or two. No, no, they and they wouldn't have. Um, again, following the book, that there is like not trying to spoil the book here, but um, I would say there is something at the end of the book that would leave it open. Oh, okay, um, like there, okay, there is something there. No, um, you know, and and it's it's one of those things of like. You're absolutely fine if this is the only book. If this is the only, like perfectly fine, but they could do uh, another one. Um, obviously, with this, they um, they they pretty much tied up everything in a bow um, because I believe originally the plan was it was just going to be one season and done. Yeah, um, but money. But yeah. then, well, <laughs> I, um, I genuinely don't believe that Neil Gaiman is sitting there going, I need the money. Oh, no. no I'm going to touch on this again. But the studio, um, Prime Video, whoever yeah. is behind it. Um, I mean, you know, you have if you have a successful season of television, I mean, this is, we're calling this a series or a season. It's almost a mini-series with how short yeah, it is. Yeah, it was uh, marketed as a limited series, limited specifically. Prestige television. Yeah. <laughs> 
And um, uh, I mean, the interesting thing as well is, you know, you'd think if it was something where it was like they knew it was going to be a hit and they were probably working on a deal to get it for a second series, like maybe behind the scene trying to get it to work. Um, so this came out May 31st, 2019 for Amazon Prime Video. It also aired weekly on BBC Two in the UK oh, okay. um, in January and February 2020. It was officially renewed for a second season in June of last year. So it was um, it was just over two years after it first aired on Amazon Prime that they announced there would be a second season. So I'm I'm thinking what happened was Neil Gaiman went back and looked at his original notes with Terry Pratchett for what would have been. Um, the start of a second book and he probably went to the uh, to the Terry Pratchett estate and talked with them and said here's kind of the idea what do you think and because uh, I I am absolutely certain that if he had gone to them and said here's my idea and they said that doesn't sound like something Terry would have done he would have absolutely said no to anything else because um, uh, they were they were very good friends and they, they really, um, they, you would see them kind of together at conventions and things like that. And, uh, they, they, they very clearly, um, enjoyed each other. So, uh, um, so you're saying he took the, we feel like he took the time to get the second season, right? Like it was more of, we're not going to commit to this until we know we have something good and everyone's on board. Yeah. Deadlines, that type of thing. Yeah, David Tennant, Michael Sheen's back, and uh, yeah, the majority of the the same crew and cast, uh, as far as I know, I I think um, at least some of the cast is back as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, and I don't know if it's going to be maybe a little straddle like some of the stories from before this happened, and then the aftermath, um, like seeing what happens then, because. Uh, I mean, there's a point in the series where Crowley is saying, like, so, yeah, we're going to, like, go to a different part of the universe, right? Like, we're just going to go off into the stars. I hear it's nice and Alpha Centauri this time of year, yes. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, so I I don't know. Like, maybe there'll be be some weird, um, almost uh, Terry Gillingham-esque, like, uh, weird sci-fi bit that happens yeah. at some point it's like I, I honestly have no idea i'm just uh, intrigued to see oh, yeah. what they do with it i have and I, I, no clue what they could do but i think i trust them to do whatever i think it's kind yeah, of where i'm at yeah i mean like like at this point david tennant could probably say no to anything he wants at this point and not work anymore and just live off the royalties of everything that he's done um given that he's been in doctor who and harry potter um and and the mcu <laughs> like um you know so i i think um uh i think for him to agree to come back to the character says a lot um and he um i don't know if you've seen many of his interviews and things like he he has said that he will not take something that he does not feel is worth it um so like i i i have faith that at least going into it everyone is in the right place and um and has 
good intention, but I believe there's also a phrase that might exist regarding good intentions that would be very apt for this series. Um, something about the the road to hell being paved with them. Uh, but uh, um, if, well, <laughs> if if it doesn't work out, the very like like the the cover story of the the news article like the that Monday after that episode gets released, it can be called bad. Open. Oh, no, <laughs> I like that. You think that they won't have articles about it 20 minutes after it's aired. Um, <laughs> uh, side, side note. Uh, I was looking at, uh, cause we were discussing Michael McKean. So I was looking at his, uh, his IMDb page and it, apparently we're getting a, another spinal tap movie in 2024. Yes. Okay. All right. Just in okay. case anyone else didn't know that. And it wasn't just me. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, that- did did not know that at all. Nope. <laughs> all right, back back to Good Omens. Sorry. <laughs> yes, yes, best Good Omens. Um, oh, can we talk about the thing I noticed in the Deadpool movie the other day? Do you think Paul would be interested? I, I don't, mean, if what you want you... to go for it. <laughs> uh, so in in that in that movie, like when Cable's making his gun, he gets like a he like pulls the guitar apart and pulls the the dial off of it, and he turns it right before he shoots the juggernaut that goes to 11. Oh, yes, the uh, spinal tap joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I, I, Maybe everyone I, I else do, got it before me. As I, I do feel like it being Deadpool, like, he should have turned it to 12. Yeah, just, like, just, just one-up like, spinal He's just one-upping it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, um, I, I, I did actually want to ask as, as well, what did you guys think of, um, of Adam? Like, oh. did did you because i can i can see this going one of two different ways did you i end up just being annoyed with him because obviously he's very strong-headed and it's, he's a de facto leader because of his heritage and everything like or were you interested to see his arc in the show because obviously he gets very very close to um really going over that edge <laughs> so like what uh, what did you think of his character and and his arc in the show I think I think I speak for Chris and I when I say that we have a love-hate relationship with child actors okay. and that um, it sounds wrong <laughs> it does that does sound wrong uh, it's we love hard. to hate all children is what you're saying uh, okay. look, uh, you should it's they're kids they don't you have do nearly as do. much experience the actors as the adults that they're playing off of. Um, and a lot of times I think that adults don't know how to write children. And so children end up coming across, even if the acting is good, they end up coming across as much older or wiser than they should. Um, you know, if I, I, I've had enough 10 year olds giving, you know, life wisdom, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. Um, as, as far as the child, as far as Adam, um, and really the, the child actors in this show in general, I, th- I thought they did pretty well. I think that Adam Young, who plays, uh, or not Adam Young, sorry, Sam Taylor Buck, who plays Adam <laughs> Young, uh, I think he did really well. I think that it's a very one-dimensional character to begin with. Like, how do you, how do you give a lot of character arc to this person who's supposed to destroy the world? Or maybe they won't. We don't know. We're trying to muddy the waters enough so that they don't, right? Uh, you, I think there's a lot of depth to that character. I think it's a, a very difficult character to portray. And then, because it's a child, and you have a child playing them, 
there's somebody playing them that's not maybe as experienced um, as the as the role demands. I, I'm trying to very very diplomatically say that I did not enjoy. <laughs> I didn't enjoy uh, the portrayal of Adam as much as I enjoyed the character, if that makes sense. I, I appreciated the the character of Adam in the larger plot. I liked. Uh, I, I didn't. I liked his character arc. It wasn't okay. the best uh, portrayal. And now I've just trash talked a child actor uh, on <laughs> on tape. So there's there's that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and it, Chris, you can start talking anytime. You just interrupt sure, me and yeah. uh, no, keep no, me from he, saying anything just, more. And no, no, no. I think I think what Anthony is also trying to say is like it's it's sometimes hard to differentiate um, child actors like their behavior as a person as opposed to their behavior as an like as the character that they're playing. Mm. Like I'm, contra- I'm not contractually obligated to mention Star Wars, but I'm going to. So. Um, <laughs> Jake Lloyd is a famous example of a person who did nothing wrong. Like the actor Jake Lloyd did everything George Lucas asked him to do. And unfortunately, a lot of people didn't like that. Um, Hayden Christensen is another example. Like Anakin Skywalker as an adult, like everyone's like, oh, I hated the way they, I hated, I hated the prequels because Darth Vader's a wimp. Like, yeah, that's, he's uh, like young (laughs) he's like he's young he's angry like he's playing the he's playing the role he's supposed to be playing um he's not i've never seen like because i mean i've seen hayden christensen and other things and i don't necessarily think he's a bad actor but um i've never seen anything else that sam taylor buck has been in so i can only judge him off this role what is it this and medici that's it okay (laughs) yeah he's not done too much really so Um, I mean, if it, he's supposed to be playing like a young teenage, um, you know, the, the son of Satan, right? So of course he's going to be pompous. Of course he's going to be arrogant. I think he does a really good job doing those things. Um, like I, I didn't tire of his performance, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like I didn't dislike it. Um, I think the the performance matched the character. Yeah, so, yeah. But but what Chris but said. I can see where Anthony, I can see where Anthony's coming from. Is like it's hard. Like they're a kid, right? Like yeah. not everyone is, um, I mean, I don't want to say Leonardo DiCaprio cause it's such a high bar, but you know, what child <laughs> actor, you know, like that you, that off the top of your head besides him, you know, maybe, um, um, Kristen, Kristen, um, Kirsten Dunst, um, you know, she's always done really well. So, sure. uh, yeah, like the, yeah. the ones that make it out of childhood acting are usually the ones who are going to be good actors anyways. <laughs> that's that's fair. I, the question so, of whether or not yeah. I found the character annoying or what have you, it's, it's he was a bit much at times, but I think he's supposed to be. But I also don't know how much yeah. of that is the script and the direction and how much of that is Mr. Buck. Yeah. You know, it's hard yeah, to, that, to know. Right. It, it's interesting because um, I, <laughs> I have a... Um, I, I have an idea for where the genesis of like what his character is supposed to be came from. But the problem is it is so uniquely an English character. I don't know if many people outside of England and even a fair number of people in England will know about it. Um, so that there was a, um, a book series which became, uh, I think it became a radio series um as well as a um a short tv series um back in the 90s 
I think at some point in the 90s, it was a TV series, uh, potentially the 80s. Uh, it was called Just William. And the entire um, premise of it is that William is a, a kid who is sort of the leader of this group of about three or four boys. And they, he is just... Like he's trying to get them to go on adventures. He's trying to do the the cool thing, um, often to the chagrin of his family, uh, and uh, his school, and anything else that's going on. And it's like the I, it's like Little Rascal, kinda, kinda. Yeah, You're describing it's, it's, it, it sounds like Dennis the Menace to me. Yeah, would be uh, the kind of American. Well, Dennis is a solo. Act. That's true. Uh, that's true. He is a menace. Yeah, yeah which is and uh, for anyone in. Uh, in England, that I don't know. Yes, Dennis the Menace in America is a blonde-headed kid who is uh, who apparently is the arch nemesis of his neighbour, Mister Wilson. I believe it's the uh, <laughs> yes. it's the term. Whereas in England, Dennis the Menace is a cartoon character um, who was originally from a um, a comic strip called The Beano, um, and uh, it's uh, he's a kid with black hair who actually doesn't look too dissimilar to Adam in this. Um, and he had a dog called Nasher, and he's just, uh, like, he just gets into trouble a lot. <laughs> like, you know, and he always gets out of it in the end, but he gets into trouble a lot. Um, so it, it really is a, a sort of a, an English um, trope of kids that age just kind of running amok a little bit and thinking... Like, yeah, coming up with their own sort of world and they're the kings of their world and, like, you know, they'll do what they want to do uh, despite the fact that the parents are there to be like, no, you can't do that, and then they do it anyway. So I, I think that was kind of the genesis of it, if I had okay. to guess. Obviously, I'm not Terry Pratchett or Neil Gaiman. I would be much richer if I was. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that that is sort of what they were going for because obviously the idea ultimately um is that he ends up just being a kid like he's just an average kid he happens to be a leader of his group um because that's just who he is but he is also just a kid <laughs> so like i i think that watching it i was anticipating that the character would end up being too bossy like too early mm. um because yeah i i knew there would be a point where he comes into his powers um and uh like they kind of take over for a bit but like i i figured that he would ultimately be this kid that's just very kind of stuck up in the show i, I thought that's the way that they might end up going with it because that's how a lot of kids are written now um but i i felt they they hit that line very well, especially you even had a scene with the parents where they're like, you know, you told him not to do this thing, right? It's like, well, yes, but it was this, like, you know, and they're kind of explaining away um, the thing as that, you know, they're talking about how he, Adam, just going to get away with stuff because of everything that surrounds him. And like, you actually got to see that in a fairly natural way with the parents, um, Speaking of the parents, actually, again, I um, one of the many things I found out when I was looking into this and the cast, um, do either of you two watch, Have either do you watch or have you watched Sherlock? Like the 
the BBC. Yes, Benedict, the, the yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman Absolutely. Sherlock. Yeah, okay. I think yeah. I've seen the first season and there's two. Okay. Unless they've so, aired something new. Like, I, I'm, I think I'm caught up. I think so I'm caught yeah, up. On Netflix, they've got all four seasons on there. Okay. Oh, there's four seasons. There's, yeah, there's I'm four. I'm not caught up. <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm, hang on, let, let me double check because I want to make sure I got this right. Oh, no, feel free to spoil away. <laughs> okay. Uh, the mother in this is a major character in the last episode of the fourth season. And I did not realize that until I, I, I saw that written down. And then I kind of thought back to the mother in this and then thought back to that character in the whole season. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that very different character. <laughs> very, very, very different character. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, kind of like... Um, uh, kind of like you had with uh, David Tennant going from the Doctor to Kilgrave. It's, yeah. it's like, oh, nope, we're not expecting that. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and I was going to let this go, but I can't. Um, who is your Doctor now? Oh, uh, Peter Capaldi. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, uh, and it, I, that didn't happen until I think the last season of Peter Capaldi. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. okay. Like I, I think all of it kind of clicked for me. Um but if I'm if I'm in a room full of Doctor Who nerds and I and I just need to get out safely, I'll say David Tennant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I will say, um, yeah, Tennant. Tennant still for me, like I I fully appreciate. Like Capaldi did a great job. Oh yeah, uh, he he, really, he was fantastic yeah. as the Doctor, um, and he has my favorite opening of any Doctor Who episode that I've seen, and it's very simple, um, and uh, it, it is just. Him asking who wrote Beethoven's Fifth, ah, uh, yes. and he's got the guitar, and it, yeah. it's just very simple, but it, it's a really interesting idea, and he sells it perfectly. Oh yeah. Um, if I mean, if I'm being honest, uh, uh, which I always am, of course, <laughs> when I'm rewatching Doctor Who, my favorite Doctors, whichever one's on the screen at that time, like I love all of them in their own little unique ways. Um, yeah. Yeah, very very big fan. I, I, I yeah. like it all. I'm I'm genuinely mad at the perceived lack of love for Christopher Eccleston. Yes, because because uh, I mean that 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 man was uh, genuinely phenomenal as the Doctor, and it's not even really a spoiler at this point. He has been spotted oh. in the area that they were filming the 60th anniversary special. Oh, has he? He was, nice. yes. I, I was really uh, upset when he didn't come back for the 50th, so... I mean, I didn't say really yeah. upset. I was disappointed, uh, but understood, yeah, and, and, I think. Oh, yeah. I, like, given everything that happened, then I, I definitely understood, but yeah. <laughs> nope. Uh, uh, <laughs> I love Chris Lewis' statement. I don't, yeah. I, I don't. I don't have a doctor. Sorry, I can't add to it. It's okay. You don't have to have watched Doctor Who, Chris, because we we talked a lot of Harry Potter earlier, and I've never seen Harry Potter, so we all have our things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm very much living up to the stereotype right now, aren't I? I brought uh, up I Doctor Who, it. Sherlock, and Harry Potter. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I didn't well, bring I mean, it up, like, but now that you have, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's not beyond the pale. Uh, I mean, there's you know, it's just. It's it's your thing. Don't ever no, yeah. apologize for who you are, Paul. Oh, I I wasn't apologizing. <laughs> oh. I just said I was living up to stereotype. I apologize for who yeah. I am every day. Um, <laughs> Can I share a Dennis the Menace piece of trivia? Uh, is it? Sure. I, it might be the same one I'm staring at about how uh, uh, 
both Dennis the Menaces debuted on the same day in the two different newspapers. One in the UK, one in the US. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, completely I, unrelated. Yeah. Well, I can tell you for a fact that uh, um, Where's Wally debuted in the UK one year before Where's Waldo did. Really? They, when they brought it over to America, they changed his name from Wally to Waldo for no reason. I like Wally. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's his name. But, uh, yeah, no, oh, it's, it's very... Yeah, it's, it's really... Because, yeah, um, like, since we're talking about TV shows, the Where's Wally TV show, um, uh, I used to have a VHS of uh, three episodes of the Where's Wally TV show. And it in England, it's called Where's Wally, and they've... Yeah, they recorded all of the dialogue with Wally instead of Waldo, but I guess over here it was Waldo. So yeah, it's very. Uh... We're we're sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't apologize. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't do I anything. I mean, on, honestly, at this point, America is just uh, yeah, a, a good experiment that's got out of hand. No, no, just, no. Uh... <laughs> uh, you should you should have waited till you you know left the midwest before you said that you got to be careful um but to to bring it back around if you don't mind to to the good omens probably i don't i did not expect to start a conversation about good omens and end up with dennis the menace trivia uh i think that's the definition of in the weeds we're uh down the rabbit hole and around the corner for for sure um i i like that i have no idea where the next season's gonna go i like I like. I truly, truly appreciate that there were real. There was all tied up, and with seemingly yeah. nowhere else to go. I mean, obviously, the characters are all still there, um, and they're all still very, very interesting. Um, yeah. Is there? Nah. So I, I got a question. Is there? Okay. Is there anything that you don't want to see in a season two? Is there a character or storyline you'd like to see just stay in season one and never come back? Like, what would what would be too much pandering? Adam. Adam? Yeah, it- yeah, no, it, I mean Adam has to stay in season one. Like they okay. they can't retread that. You they, think they just leave him not, leave him be somewhere? I mean, they, yeah. they have to. I mean, he's like he literally rewrote everything so that he could just be, you know. So when he shows up him. in like episode five as a big twist <laughs> of season two, like are y'all are y'all yeah. in? Are you not in? Are you messaging I, me saying how dare you manifest that? Uh-oh. You know, you know what I think they might do. Just, just because I think they're going to ha- like whatever happens happens throughout the entire series, they're going to go to credits and then they're going to cut back to like Adam either reading a newspaper or something about the thing that's happened and basically commenting on how stupid it was or something like he's going to have this. Uh, um, it's just going to be him sitting in his home, just like just realizing something else happened and just kind of being glad he wasn't involved. Like, uh, I I can see them doing that. Like, yeah, they're not going to have him actually be a story point, but, yeah, okay. they'll bring him back or whatever. Kind of maybe like a little a little Easter egg or a, kind of a little reference or something. Uh, yeah. Cameo, that's the word I'm looking for. A little cameo. <laughs> okay. I have a question. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Um, was there, uh, outside of, like, I mean, this isn't just your typical, like, what was your favorite thing question. Um <laughs> What was something that stood out to you that like really like realized that there was serious attention to detail um, as as you know, whether we're amateur, professional or semi-professional film critics, I guess that's what Anthony and I are now at this point. <laughs> um, 
we like I always look for stuff that's like not on the page or you know something that you can like you can really focus in on and say man whoever wrote this story whoever directed this scene like was was really carefully crafting a moment do you guys have any of those um I I don't necessarily have anything that specifically stood out to me around that type of thing like that there are so many things and i i think it's such a um like just pointing out both michael sheen and david tennant um and i feel like we've been lax on michael sheen because i mean that uh Azarafel is just such a fantastic character in this uh but obviously we're more familiar with david tennant's work and <laughs> so or at least two of us are uh, but uh hey, this he was in Tron Legacy. I mean, he's my guy. Like, yeah. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's it. He, he's done so much fantastic stuff. It's just like, uh, in terms of, I would say, the zeitgeist. Uh, I was like, David Tennant has been definitely um, more prevalent in uh, nerdy shit, shall we say. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I think um, those two working together and like the little moments that they, they kind of had there and the way that they kind of lent into that i i thought it was great but um uh i'm gonna kind of tie it to a question i was gonna ask you guys as well um good my absolute favorite moment or you know uh, i would say couple of moments in the entire show is crawley's last drive with his car because uh. <laughs> um, because yes. i mean that um it it's so well done and um i don't Obviously, one of you is not going to fully understand this reference, or at least fully get it. Um, uh, but um, for for the shot where the car finally sort of gives up the ghost, uh, his will is not enough to hold it together anymore. The director apparently t- was talking to him about the scene, um, and David Tennant asked him, like, so what, like, what is it you want me to do? Like, is there anything you want? And he said imagine it's the TARDIS and David Tennant went, okay, got it. Oh. <laughs> that's, uh, and that's what they went with. And that's so like, yeah, it's, I, know, uh, I know what the TARDIS <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I've got a couple of moments if I may, uh, that really stood out to me. Uh, one of which Anathema, uh, great, uh, great character. Uh, the name or the word Anathema uh, by definition, is it something that something or someone that one vehemently dislikes, or a formal curse by a pope or a council of a church excommunicating a person or denouncing a doctrine, or a strong literary curse? So, like, she's an anathema to like the whole end of the world, which I thought was really interesting because she's a witch, you know, and like um, the whole thing about the the church running them down, uh, and you know the whole. Um, witch hunts very interesting i like that uh the other scene i really enjoyed um is the postman all the scenes with the postman i thought were really funny um (laughs) like just like the audacity that this guy has to walk into like this tent in the middle east where like there's all this tenseness in the air and he's like yeah i'm here just delivering a package um and then his meeting with death like 10 out of 10 movie making like i thought everything about that scene was fantastic like from start to finish. Um, and then, uh, yeah. like, I really enjoyed the Shakespeare scene. Of course. Um, <laughs> like, it's just, it's great. Uh, but yeah, no, I just, I had a couple moments. Like I said, I, I think the show is really well shot. I think it's well directed. Obviously, it's well acted. Uh, but like, as someone who's not familiar with the books, 
I probably like there's probably a lot of things that I missed, um, but I do appreciate being able to like, hey, that's a nice little moment there. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, I I will say there is one thing that I know you mentioned, you know, something that isn't necessarily from the page to the show. There is something that is in the show that, to the best of my recollection, is not commented on at all, but is a direct thing from the book, which is that every single time Crowley is driving and the tape is on, it's Queen. And there's a reason for that, but they don't touch on it at all in, um, in the show. And I don't know if they just, um, they couldn't find a good way of getting a line in about it, but it is such a good holdover. And I was so glad that they kept it in there because it is like, there's like a solid page in the book explaining why that is the case. (laughs) And, uh, um, and it, it's something that is actually kind of lost now because um, it only really made sense when you had like tapes um, and to a lesser extent CDs in the car. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually had that reference joke bit. I, I don't know what you'd call it uh, spoiled uh, for me. So I do know what you're Aww. talking about. Uh, yeah, that's I, I'm trying to re- remember who did that, but um, who I was speaking with, but they, that was like their fun fact about the show. Um but I won't. Uh, I won't say it because it is. It's pretty good. I, I like yeah. It no. Good. I mean, it, yeah. It, it's a solid joke. Like it's. It's an amazing joke. So I am a little sad that that got spoiled for you. Did you have any of those moments, Anthony? Um, well, you took them all. Um, oh. But uh, <laughs> if I can add one. Oh, excuse me. Uh, but if I could add one, it is the horseman going like being defeated, because they're <laughs> besides death. They're just. It's just. Uh, a reflection of mankind and it's not real. It's something we've made up or have done to ourselves. And like the, the amount of commentary squeezed into that, what a minute, how long that seems not very long uh, where he sends the horseman off uh, was fantastic. I, I really, I it kept, I kept expecting something. I, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen with horsemen. How are they going to overcome them? Are they just going to send them off? I, I was expecting some sort of uh, lame, deus ex machina uh (laughs) and it's still kind of deus ex machina but it's not lame at all it's a kid uh, the whole the whole scene was very very well done and i in a million years couldn't have written or dreamed up or imagined a better end uh to their to their story arc um with i guess leaving death out there which is kind of uh a little bit of a plot thread that they could pull, I guess, in season two. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean he's like, yeah, you can't one. kill death. Like. Well, yeah, that's kind of the, yeah, that's like the definition. Well, he's like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of, it's now, kind of a thing, right? He's yeah. A, yeah. He's like Thanos, yeah. man. He's inevitable. Uh, well, I mean, so. sure, sure. I, I, I will say, um, having said you can't kill death, I recommend reading a, um, uh, if you do get into the Discworld series, which I heartily recommend anyone that enjoyed like the feel of this, and if they read Good Omens, I heartily recommend you do get into the Discworld books. It is daunting because there are forty-one of them, but um, oh, uh, yeah, and, oh wow! Uh, but uh, yeah, one of them is called Reaper Man, and the entire point is that Death decides he doesn't want to do the job anymore. And oh, ultimately, a new death t- 
turns up and in the end like one of only one of them can exist so like what's going to happen at the end and it it's it's really interesting because it's like um trying to think of a way of going about this without spoiling too much um i mean ultimately you know there's going to be some form of showdown so it's like you're technically one of the deaths has got to die (laughs) so it's like has um so it's it's a fascinating take on it and um i I, I thought it was a, um, a really fun book. It's it's kind of, a, it's almost the start of the death books or like the death family books, um, even though Mort really is kind of the actual chronological start of that. But um, uh, I, I always thought that Reaper Man was where death really got, for want of a better term, fleshed out. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, uh, yeah. I just want to say that a new death turns up is like the name of my death metal band. A new death turns uh, up. That's more of an album name, yeah. but yeah. okay. Oh, yeah, album. Well, I, album. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah the yeah. Um, yeah the band is just called the New Death, and then the first album is a new death turns up or something. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> death dies. Yeah. Um, man, the the chances of that having already happened are so high. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll we'll. Uh, We'll try to. We'll make a band. We'll create a profile on Spotify so no one else can take it. Then we'll go learn some yeah. instruments. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. Sounds too complicated. And, and then we will. We'll sing, or we'll only have songs that are tangentially related to Terry Pratchett in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> well, uh, if yeah. if Christopher Lee can can do those, what was it? The was it Man of War? I forget. He did that. Uh, he did some heavy metal music. It was fantastic, and they were like twenty-minute-long <laughs> songs. And we can we could do entire Discworld chapters as songs, and then we have like, that's to- so much material, right? That's forty-one well, and, albums. And um, uh, fun fact as well: in almost all of the TV adaptations, Christopher Lee was the voice of Death. Oh, really? Oh, oh. yeah. Oh. Well, see, I'm bringing it full oh. circle. Uh, I think overall, uh, just because we've we've we keep saying it, the show's really good, and you should watch the show, and you should go into it with an open mind. And yes, it's talking about angels and demons and the the Judeo Christian kind of Armageddon into the world, whatever. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter uh, your personal beliefs. Like the show is really well written. It treats the it treats the material well enough for you to get in enjoy it and get something out of it um even if you think it's a bunch of i don't know hullabaloo is that a word is that something that people say i mean i mean i said it um technically hullabaloo would be i I think maybe you were searching for hogwash hogwash um that sounds that sounds incredibly english yeah uh (laughs) but even if you think it's a bunch of hogwash you can get something out of it um and i and and even if you end up hating it, look, you wasted less than six hours of your life on a recommendation from me. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, the, this show, I, I think it, I think it goes to show how much we enjoyed it, that even though you know, on this podcast, we do spoilers and things like that. Um, we've been just enjoying talking about it and kind of talking around it because ultimately I want anyone listening to this that hasn't seen it to see it. So I'm, I didn't want to do too many spoilers and I feel like the majority of the show 
is um, like we haven't really spoiled much. Oh. Um, we definitely talked about the things we really liked, but out of context, uh, don't make a huge amount of sense. Not at all. Uh, so, so <laughs> yeah, I think if anyone takes anything away from this other than, well, those guys like to talk about completely uh, different things than the title of this episode, uh, is yes, absolutely. Just go and watch this whenever you can. It, it like, you know, if you have a free Saturday, just binge it. You'll, oh, yeah. you know, you'll be happy you did. Um, or, you know, do what I do um, every now and again, which is uh, just, you know, put it on at the end of the day. Maybe you, you know, even if you only get through half an episode, um, you know, in two weeks, you're done. So, like, you yeah. know, just uh, make your way through it and, uh, and just enjoy the um, sort of genuine insanity of uh of some of it because it's just <laughs> it's it very gleeful oh, and well, it's um, absolutely it's just a wild show like i think it's it's i don't think we've really touched on it but like it's very unexpected like all the different moment to moment uh like i mean especially for somebody who's never read the books like every, like every time we jump to a new scene i'm like what <laughs> and then it somehow so, all ties it I together mean, at the end absolutely yeah yeah if if anything else even if you hate it you you have to watch it before you can send us hate mail, and we know you want to. So go watch this, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, and then let us know. Yeah, it. I I don't think I've talked to anyone that has watched the show that didn't like the show, and it genuinely anyone that has spent the time to sit down and watch it has enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I I know a couple of people who have refused to watch it because they don't think they'll enjoy it. Um, well, they're wrong, but, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that's what I told him. Um, which I think at this point is just out of spite. Maybe being told they're wrong. I can. He might be doing that thing that Anthony does because he likes to when people are like, "Hey, man, have you ever seen blah blah blah?" And he's like, "Oh, I make a point to not watch these things so I can tell people." Oh no, I've never seen it. Uh, yeah, every time <laughs> someone tells me that I. Uh, that I should watch Harry Potter or that they're surprised I haven't seen Harry Potter. I put it off for another month. So I don't have to watch that movie for another <laughs> six, seven years at this point. <laughs> so if the inverse is true, all I have to do is keep telling you not to watch it. And then maybe you'll watch it next week. Uh, I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> so you might've found a loophole. I'll, I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> well, obviously in your own time, um, it is definitely, have you read the books? No. Okay. I read the first chapter of the first book in 2001. Okay. <laughs> there was something about an uh, owl. Yeah. That's all I remember. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I recommend, um, if you haven't read the books, don't worry about it. Um, probably at this point, since you since the first chapter didn't hook you, you may not enjoy it. Also, at this point, I would argue against sending any more money towards um, the author of the books because... Yeah, um, but uh, sure. um, if you do get a chance to see the film at some point, go in blind. Um, you'll definitely get more out of them than you would if you were to. You know. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would never read the book if it's going to spoil the movie, please. Um. <laughs> yes, you wait till you've seen it, and then you get the book, and then about a year later yeah, you read exactly. it. I gotta, exactly. i got to watch the movie to know whether or not I'm going to enjoy the book. Right? So that's how it works. Um, now that I've upset... I've upset so many people just now. Um, oh, yeah, um, I, I think unless it's something you guys specifically want to 
go over. Um, I I have one sure. thing, if that's okay. I know we've been we've been going on, but um, this is a this is a bit. I don't know uh, oh how God. much you like He's bits, Paul. It. I uh, can be fond of have, bits uh, on our podcast. On our, on our podcast, Sci-Fi Wise Guys, uh, we have a bit uh, in which we ask a very simple question of of each other. So I'm going to ask you this question, and then I'll explain it if it needs to be explained, which it will. Uh, so, Paul, who is Kay. Kelsey Grammer? And this means if you had to recast one character from this show, you had to recast them as Kelsey Grammer at any point in his career. Shadwell. Who would you choose to replace and why? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, you came in. He, you came in strong. I think you're the first guest, <laughs> or like whether we've had guests on or been on other shows and done this bit, who's just immediately known how to answer this question. Well, I mean, think about like I'm thinking of Kelsey Grammer from Frasier. Of course, like, yeah. Like the, his flailing around, like the good God, like that stuff. Like yeah. Shadwell. Shadwell. <laughs> okay. Uh, as much yeah. as I enjoyed Michael McKean, if I had to shove Kelsey Grammer in here somewhere, that's where it'd go. Fantastic. Chris, did you want to answer this question? Uh, I got a controversial take. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, it, it, requires, it, it requires some thought exercise. But Is I it Madam Tracy? <laughs> <laughs> it should be, but it's not. No, um, uh, he's Satan. Oh. Like, Interesting. W- like when he comes out of the ground, it's not Satan. It's just oh, a it's big just... blown up version of Kelsey Graham. Is it? Oh, no, is not it... even that. It's just, he's just standing there as Kelsey Graham. He's not Kelsey Grammer in like a Hellboy outfit or anything. It's just no, no. It's it's just a huge CGI Kelsey Grammer with his like big hairy body. No, no, no. Tell you what, what you, what it is is like everything else is filmed like like on set like yeah everyone does see shaking around like oh no something's happening but then for the shots of kelsey grammar it's just him standing on a model village with like the camera down (laughs) up at him and then they just put those two together there (laughs) you go well yeah that's that's what i imagined i imagined a big kelsey grammar and benedict cumberbatch is still the voice wow okay wow all right uh I was kind of stuck between two different choices. I was going to say that he should maybe play Arthur Young, the father of uh, young Adam, just kind of out of nowhere, kind of this like little bit role that is important, but just not the role you'd expect Kelsey Grammer to be in. Uh, But uh, I think Chris probably knows who I'd pick. I I want (laughs) to say Gabriel. I want to say replace John Hamm with, Kelsey Grammer. I think Kelsey Grammer does the real soft-spoken and then really angry really, really well. And I think I, he could have pulled it for, off. For some reason, I thought you were going to go with Hasta. No, like, I think I think he has to be, little, if he's going to be supernatural. It's a too busy of a, it's a bit it's a bit too busy busy of a part. I think Haster's really busy. Yeah. Uh, and KG's a little cooler. Yeah, he's got to, he's <laughs> got to wear the nice suit, yeah. you know? He's got to have an entourage of beautiful people. Like, that's that's KG, you know? Like season one cheers, KG. <laughs> uh, anyways, thank you for indulging in the bit, Paul. Uh, yeah. So can I tell can I tell him the history of that? I bit, mean, if sure. You don't mind? If, if if he if you, Paul, if you care, here it is. Yeah. Sure, it's, why not? It's it just go watch a movie called Gar what is it? Seven Guardians of the Tomb. Seven Guardians right? of yeah. the Tomb. Yeah. It's it's 
Seven Guardians of the Tomb. Go watch it. That's all you need to know. That's the that's the origin of that bit. Oh. Okay. Uh, it's a unless you have arachnophobia, in which case do not watch that movie. I do. No. Oh, there you Still go. watch it even if you, oh, even no. if you are I scared mean, I would, of spiders. <laughs> yeah. If, if you have crippling fear of giant spiders, it's probably not the best thing. Um, but that that was the last question I had. That was all I had. Okay. Good. There you go. I I guess. Um, oh. You know what, I, I sort of asked it earlier, but I'm the only one that answered it, so I'll just uh, re-ask it here, and then uh, and then I promise we'll be done. What moment or, like, connected moments in this show would you say were your favorite? 100%. Uh, it's 50-50, the, the, the sequence of events with the postman, uh, okay. slash the, um, I guess it's all kind of one, right? The, the postman and the the horsemen just that kind of running thread with them i think yeah. that's that kind of mystery uh the i, I, I loved it uh, i think chris has already talked about it so i'm talking about it again <laughs> two thumbs up okay i think my i think my absolute favorite scene like it's it's gonna it's a small one but when nick offerman and warlock show up to start <laughs> armageddon yeah and it, like nick offerman is he's you know he's he's acting like he's so self-important, and it's just like the absolute comedy that like of everything leading up to that moment like mm. tickles me. Like it, it's a really funny scene like in the meta context of the show, but like it's this, it's like played up for laughs, but it's kind of like this is a transition scene yeah. where we we see like exactly where the plot comes to a head, and then it's over like that. Yeah. And so I forgot about Nick Offerman being in this. Uh, until just now <laughs> yeah it's so it's yeah. like it's so unimportant it's it's so incredibly important and then immediately not important uh all at the same time like while it's happening it's the most important thing that could possibly be happening on the screen and then it's immediately it immediately just doesn't matter right after that yeah it's yeah. very interesting <laughs> yeah pretty much it. uh i will say one um one thing that i was thinking of um aside from uh, Crowley's last ride uh, was the thing that really hit me when I was watching the first episode that I was like, you know what? I think they've genuinely got it. Like, I mean, the the, the whole part about, uh, you know, the universe starting at a certain time. Like, that was like, okay, that's really good. That feels, again, it feels almost Douglas Adams-y. Like, I'm moderately confident that it also pretty much directly from the books so like was, okay yeah they they kept that in that's really good but the bit when god is talking about what happens to the third baby and she's like <laughs> you know you can think that they took the baby and they put everything like yeah and and it, if that's what you think like good on you like it's it's just that that slight morbid tone that is like, you know what happened to that baby. They're not going to show it. They're not going to give you a, this is what happened to the baby, but it's like, you know. Um, and it's like, they, they just had that sinister undertone to it. And I was like, okay, yeah, they, they are willing to keep this in. Like I'm, I'm sold on what they're going to do with this series. And, uh, and they didn't even necessarily go quite that dark again, um, at least for a little while. But uh, but it, it was it was so good to see that they were willing to do that. Um, so 
yeah no that that was a a good part to me but i, I think that final car ride yeah <laughs> that's probably gonna be my favorite thing every single time i watch it uh all right yeah i think uh i think with all of that we probably spoken for a lot longer than we should have but i don't care so (laughs) so what i'll do now i may as well throw it to you guys and just say like you know if people have enjoyed listening to us talk about a lot of things and then also sometimes good omen um they want (laughs) to reach out to you guys like where can they find you yeah uh uh oh we didn't plan well, this. It is. Who's is it? Okay. <laughs> no uh, one ever plans this. Part. No, I don't know why. <laughs> no. Um, well, it's you know you don't plan to talk about yourself. Uh, no. So we we have a podcast. We're the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. You can find us anywhere that podcasts are. If you can't find us on the service that you use, you can reach out to us. Uh, our Twitter handles at Sci-Fi Wise Guys. Um, you can. We watch straight to stream. I say that we've kind of we took a little bit of a, a detour the last few weeks, but for the most part, we watch straight to stream or straight to DVD style science fiction and science fiction adjacent movies, shorts, uh, television shows, YouTube videos, wh- whatever it might be, fan <laughs> films once or twice. Distribute originals. Distribute originals, which is a word we found on Wikipedia and does exist. We did not make it up. Um, but okay. basically, if it's straight to stream and science fiction or science fiction ish. We watch it and we talk about it. So uh, there's a lot of things in there that you've probably watched and heard of, like all of the Disney Plus Marvel and Star Wars, the new Star Trek. And then there's movies that you've never heard of, <laughs> like Cyborg X or the aforementioned Seven Guardians of the Tomb. Uh, <laughs> some excellent B-movies and some not-so-excellent B-movies. Uh, so if you're a fan of anything that might be odd or you're looking for something new to listen to, uh, check us out. We'll give, we give tons of recommendations. Um, and try to make jokes, usually at my expense. Okay. I I have a question for you. I have not delved into your back catalogue very much. So have you guys done Larmageddon? <sighs> no. <Done>. Deep <laughs> Larmageddon? Deep sigh. Is that an asylum <laughs> film? Uh, no. <laughs> it, is oh, a, um, it, it is a sci-fi horror film. A killer llama um, from outer space crash lands on Earth and brings death <laughs> and destruction to everyone in its path. Comedy sci-fi. Okay. Uh, we do have... Is, we have a rule that we won't watch asylum films since the goal of the podcast is to find those hidden gems, like those B-movies or those independent films that most people aren't going to see but are actually really good. Uh, which we find a good bit of those. We also find a lot of garbage, and we find that asylum movies are meant to be garbage or meant to be parody, uh, so we we stay away from them. That's why I asked, because uh, Lamageddon definitely sounds like an, an asylum special. I'd say I, yeah. I do not believe it's asylum. It is, it is definitely too low budget for that. Oh, it's lower budget. Oh, good. All right. I'm, I am yeah. pulling up the <laughs> schedule right now, and I am posting Lamageddon right in the middle of our... Uh, Right in the middle of October, so that we can uh, we can get it in our oh. our Spooktober uh, list of films. If that's okay. Spocktober. Yeah, Spocktober, where we're going to do horror <laughs> and sci-fi. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Oh, Armageddon. Um, thank you. You can find us on all your social media platforms at Sci-Fi Wise Guys, and always email us suggestions at Sci-Fi Wise Guys at Gmail Please. Yes, please. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well then. I, I'm glad that uh, um, I'm glad I was able to make a recommendation there, and uh, maybe I'll join you. I don't know. 
think. We'll oh, see. I see. <laughs> well, I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna watch this, you're gonna have to talk to me about it. Yeah. Oh, that, that, <laughs> if you're gonna make me so watch I, it, then by God, you're gonna watch it. Oh, too. <laughs> I I can tell you, I can tell you right now. Myself and my wife watched the Velocipaster one evening, uh, which oh, no. is. Holy shit, is it both incredible and terrible at the same time? Um, I mean, just watch the opening three minutes. That's all you need. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's incredible. Um, but after we were done, um, it was on Amazon Prime. Uh, and then it was like, people also watched. And like the third one along was Larmageddon. And we both went, we need to watch that at some point. <laughs> so... Oh, well, well, we're gonna recommend we're gonna recommend a movie to you then. Uh-oh. Uh oh, Willy's Wonderland. Yes, Willy. You've seen Willy's Wonderland, I, Paul. I've heard of that, but how I how do you feel about seen... Nick Cage? I am a huge fan of Nick Cage, uh, whether he's being okay. serious or whether he's being Nick Cage. So he's very yeah. much both in this film. Okay. Uh, the least you know, the less you know about the film, the better. Um, but I will say that of all of the films that we've ever uh, reviewed for the podcast, it is the only one uh, where during the end credits, I went on Amazon and bought the Blu-ray. And so I own a phys- okay. I bought a physical copy of that movie before the credits could end because I loved it so much. <laughs> so they, I thought, man, I thought he was going to give you something bad, you know, like. No, <laughs> no, that's the whole point of our podcast is yeah. we look for movies. I know, but he just gave us that, something that, called that... Lamageddon. So I thought you were like going to get back yeah. at him a little bit. But no, Willie's Wonderland <laughs> no, is an no, no, excellent, no. excellent suggestion. Yeah. Great independent film. Yeah, I'll, so. I'll check it out. I, um, well, once again, like, uh, I, I think we should probably cut it off. So. Seriously, thank you guys for coming on. It, it's been a blast. I, I always enjoy talking about uh, about these things with uh, with new people, and uh, it was great having you on. And I absolutely need to get you back at some point. Uh, yeah, maybe it'll be slightly less time, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll get you guys back on. But yeah, thank thanks everyone for listening. Um, and tell you what, one more time, real quick, uh, why don't you guys just give us your handles and everything? Because obviously, you gave them during that entirely uh, long spiel about uh, other things as well. So, um, go ahead. What, one more quick time, where can everyone find you? We are the Sci Fi Wise Guys. I'm Anthony. That was Chris. Uh, you can find us on any podcast platform under the sun. Uh, or social media, we're on Twitter, at Sci-Fi Wise Guys. All right. Wonderful. Well, yes, there you go. Go, go check them out and, uh, and uh, tell them that we sent you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thank you guys one more time for coming back in. It was fantastic having you, and I will see all you guys next time. Bye. Have a good one. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh... Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.